welcome into today's Irish NFL show where I am delighted to welcome a returning guest, the man who uh, was behind uh, last year's fantastic um, podcast all about Andrew Luck. If you haven't listened to that, I would urge you to do so. He was an award-winning beat writer uh, covering the Colts. He is now a national features writer for The Athletic. Zach Kiefer, welcome back to the Irish NFL show. It's good to be back. How's it going? Uh, good, good. And uh, I suppose uh, congratulations on the, the new Thank role. You. You've, you've had a bit of time to, to marinate in that now. And when we were on the last time, you were talking, and I've seen you talk in others, and it, it was interesting. I had um, your now colleague Jim Trotter on a, a few weeks ago, and he describes himself as, as a storyteller, and you describe yourself as a storyteller. Um, uh, and Kaylin, I, I know she does, does the same. So there's a whole host of you. And I suppose for you, is, is that was that the incentive that you were going to get the, the time to maybe really kind of delve into some of the, the really interesting stories around the, the league? Yeah. You know, I lived those stories, those interesting stories on the cold speed for nine years. And we had curveballs, man. I mean, it was it was never boring. I've joked with Chris Ballard for years about how he never took it easy on us because there was never just a normal season with the Colts. I mean, I could go down the list, but I won't exhaust everyone. But, you know, the Colts were involved in the Flategate with the Patriots years ago, and they had the the terrible fake punt, and they had Andrew Luck's arm issues for two and a half years. And then they had a strange situation with Josh, Josh McDaniels backing out of the job, and then you know, Andrew Luck coming back, his sudden retirement. Um, and then this this last year alone, it was it was exhausting, but it was interesting every minute of the way. You know, they fired Frank Reich. They hired an ESPN analyst off the set on a Monday. Um, Matt Ryan sort of fell apart. They, they got a 33-point lead that they blew in Minnesota in December. So it was a roller coaster, and that's not doing justice to the Colts. I mean, it was just it was just never boring. Um, so it was fun to live that and chronicle that. And the exciting thing now is I can sort of take a step back and sort of widen my reach, kind of just attack the league anywhere there's an interesting story. And and as you know, it's not limited to football, but there are so many fascinating stories out there in sport. And the NFL is probably leading the pack in that regard. There are so many fascinating characters and stories. And the one thing I've always loved is that a locker room is built of 53 guys with 53 different stories. And nobody makes it to the league the same way. And it's sort of my job to, to figure out those stories that are hidden be between the headlines and um, beneath the, the chatter on social media and go beyond that. And so that's kind of the new job. And it's been really fun to branch out and challenge myself and go find those stories that no one's heard about. Yeah, it, it's interesting, though, when you mentioned the, the special teams uh, play uh, that, that still gets mentioned. My own Denver Broncos, in their infinite wisdom, decided to give the man behind that play a job and, and keep him employed for three years, even after watching that foot. Uh, a story for for another day. Um, I, I suppose um, you know before we we move off um, the Colts in, entirely, we can't get away from the the Anthony Richardson pick, right? And um, I suppose you know it to to me uh, and interested in hearing like the because I know you've written around the the background behind it and stuff. But from from the outside, from five thousand miles away, this looked like. 
you know, the, the high upside. And I suppose it, it felt that again, you're closer, you'll know. But it felt like Chris Ballard probably, like, he needed to take a, a swing at the fence, given everything that you just outlined that went on. But in Shane Steichen, given what he did with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, and then he goes to Philly. I mean, he's a very special guy. Um, and they brought him in. Like, it, I suppose just the background to the, the pick, and, and if it hadn't been Shane Steichen, would Ballard still have gone with down the, the Richardson route? That's a good point, because Shane Steichen arrived before the pick, and the pick was always going to be predicated on Shane's opinion. And getting to know Shane the last three or four months, you know, the thing that everybody says that knows him, and this is people around the league, he is all ball. Like, he is detail-oriented in a way that's a little rare for this league. Now, everybody pays attention to all the details, right? Everybody knows ball in the NFL. But this guy is hyper-focused, and, and, and you can feel that. And, and I could feel how it would be like to be coached by him and just in these conversations we've had since he got the job in February. And so I wrote all along that he was going to have a huge say in this pick. You don't pick a quarterback that your quarterback-centric head coach isn't on board with. And they had some long talks. I mean, Chris Ballard, remove him for a minute. This was Jim Irsay having to stamp this approval, right? Jim Irsay, who meddled a little bit last year and, and picked the quarterback when he wasn't ready in Sam Ellinger. You know, Jim Irsay sat Stane Steichen down in a room for a couple of hours, a couple of weeks before the draft, and say, why do you want it to be Anthony Richardson? Why is this kid whose completion percentage is awful, 11th of 12 starters in the SEC or whatever it was, 53%. Why is he going to make a jump? Because they're not naive to the fact that in the NFL, athletic quarterbacks are great, but you still have to win from the pocket. Even the best ones, the best ones that win outside the pocket, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, they can beat you from the pocket. I don't think Lamar gets enough credit for that. But Richardson hasn't proved that he can consistently do that, and he's also 20 years old, and that was another hiccup along the way is he's 20 years old and Ursay wanted to know why this guy's going to take the jump and, and Steichen was all in and that hyper-focused detail-oriented persona that I talked about bled into that reasoning and and it's not just a bet on Anthony Richardson and all that upside right we've seen the highlights it's six runs of 50 yards or more in the SEC I mean that's absurd I watched him at the combine and, and I've never seen anything like that at any position. I've just never seen that. He's like a video game player. But consistency wins in this league. The best quarterback of all time had a terrible workout at the combine, Tom Brady, right? Um, but to put a bow on your question, um, this is not just a bet on, on Anthony Richardson and his traits. Now, they believe in all that. This is a bet on Shane Steichen. And, and that's the new era of Colts football. And that's really where the league is going. It, you find a young offensive quarterback centric coach you find a young quarterback who can do a little bit of everything and you just pray that that coach can lift that player up yeah and interesting in, in terms i'm totally with you on, on lamar i watched vic fangio dare lamar to beat him with his arm maybe he doubted uh, lamar and lamar went into denver and did uh, just that um now, you were on, um, it was really interesting, on the Summits podcast with Heroes Foundation recently. And th this is a slight tangent, but th there's a reason behind it. Um, but I want first, I want to come to it, because they asked you, if you weren't covering the NFL, what would you like to cover? And you said, in a perfect word, it were golf. And given the, the news of the, the past 24 right. hours, 
like what do you what do you make of of what has kind of happened in in golf in in the last twenty four hours? Absolutely stunned yesterday. I I think I am not alone in that sentiment. Absolutely floored. It didn't make sense. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that still don't know what it's going to look like, what the road forward looks like, how the merge is going to look like. Um, you know, I've always been on the side of, of course, I want to see the best players play against each other as much as they possibly can. Um, but this is a stunning about face from the PGA Tour. And watching Rory today, who I'm sure you guys are really familiar with over there, just bear it out. And I just think it's such a fascinating sport. I love to play, but I also love to cover it because the personalities are dynamic. The tension is real. The stakes are immense. And these guys are oftentimes unfiltered. And for the most part in sports, all we ask for is candor, right? I just want honesty. I don't agree with everything they say, but I want the real. You know, I want real answers. And um, Rory's been the face of the anti-live movement for 20 months. And and I imagine yesterday was a tough day for him. And, and I watched it today, and I just think it's a fascinating story. And we have some stories up right now just about how stunning this is and how little sense it makes compared with everything the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan has said over the last 12, 15 months. Um, endless storylines, and it's just it's the most fascinating thing in sports right now. And so the next big thing happens, which might be a couple hours from now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose where I see a slight kind of link is when go go to the Colts again, right? And Jim Irsa's father bought the, the Colts well, there was a the convoluted way, but ultimately he bought he buys it for about nineteen million. Yeah. And the commanders are, are about to sell for in and around seven billion. The Broncos sold last year for four point five billion. It, it's a totally, like, obviously, look, it was always people with money who were involved in owning. But this is different level. This isn't like, you know, you, you know, this is the absolute, like, you have to have truly immense wealth to own an NFL team now. And I suppose I'm just wondering, do you think that could change um, the, the, the way in which the league operates or has operated it in? Because, you know, you look at it and, and obviously the league has always had great characters. I'm, I'm sure it will to an extent. But when you are talking about needing billions and billions in order to, and the NFL has been, well, they may have relaxed a little bit. This isn't like, say, the Premier League where, you know, you can take loans and you can leverage and do different things like that. You've got to have the money. So the people right. owning this have serious wealth. And, and just your thoughts on where it goes, because the next franchise presumably goes for about 10. Yeah. Why own a team when you can own a league, when you can own a sport, essentially? And at what point does this Saudi Arabian investment group look at the most lucrative league in the world, in the NFL? Now, teams do not become available very often, and they have a ton of bidders, as we just saw with Washington, right? There were wealthy people with money on hand who didn't get a sniff of this team. And that's my worry. But the process is far more complicated than that. And this would have to be approved by NFL ownership. And that's a very, very, very convoluted process that would have to be, you know, Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft and Jim Mersey and all the owners would have to approve. And that's a completely different step. That money can't buy that. Money cannot buy that. But I wondered about that. And, and you look at the immense popularity of the EPL 
And golf is certainly not going backwards in terms of popularity. With all this drama that's going to elevate the into tension and the eyeballs. But when we move into the fall, there's nothing that beats the NFL. It's 47 of the top 50 shows in America every fall are NFL games, live broadcasts of NFL games. And so that was a worry I had yesterday when it started to become clear to me that in the end, morality is always going to be trumped by money. That's really what happened here. The PGA Tours tried to take a stand and a couple of their players, Rory McIlroy most polarizingly, took a stand on the road he thought was right. And in the end, they left them out to dry and the money talked. And, and it worries me for the future of sport, but it's a lot harder to wave a lot of money at a lot of rich billionaire NFL owners who also have a lot of money. Yeah, it's certainly going to be um, very, very interesting uh, to, to see how um, things play out because we we have seen it, you know, on this, particularly on this side of the world with, um, you know, the way it has happened with football and you, you tend to just, you know, it's very difficult. Like in the EPL, you start the, the season and, and realistically there are three, four teams, you know, every so often you might, but you, you know who the three, four teams are. You're, you're not getting... Um, you know, a, a surprise, same in Germany, same, um, you know, in, in Spain, uh, say, same all over. So that com- competition, I suppose, is the thing that is so compelling in the NFL. But also, if you buy in, there's no relegation. There's no fear of, of missing out on, on Champions And you can lose for there. years, but you're not losing in the bank. You're just not. These These valuations are not going down. That's why... The Josh Harris group that just acquired the commander or will very soon, um, whatever they paid for it, it's going to be worth more in two, three years. And it's never going to go backwards because this sport just continues to be immensely popular. And I can't, can't get away from money, but kind of touches on, you know, and we obviously talked a lot about the, the brilliant look podcast you did. Now we're, kind of a, a year further into the NIL stuff. And yeah, you'll still have coaches giving out about players getting a sliver of a multi-billion dollar kind of college football. But I'm wondering, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, we talk about the, the money that obviously the, the owners have, the league generates. But with players now entering the, the league, having money in the bank as such, could we could we see more players kind of take the Andrew Luck route but because or a bit earlier you know because i obviously look andrew we know such a warrior you you cover that but could it be the players you know say well why don't i go into the league and have a five six year career and and i get out before even getting to the the andrew luck piece where they've had surgeries or, or things like that because they they've had some some money there. They're not coming in starting for uh, you know from zero, especially for obviously some of the the bigger name players. Is, is that something that that we could see? Obviously, there'll be people like the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady who want to play, but for others, they they won't be compelled to. I suppose is what I'm wondering. That's a really good thought, and I haven't really got into that, but I do think. The worldview, for lack of a better word, has shifted a little bit for players. And and they want guaranteed contracts, and the owners are not going to budge on that. But some, the elites, the few that get to make a little bit of money in college, and I hope and I expect more will, 
as this continues to spread, they will enter the league in a far more enviable position than in years past. And the key for all these players that I've talked to over the years, the key for, let's say you're not an Andrew Luck or an Aaron Rodgers and you're not going to make whatever you make with you know, quarterback money, just ballooning money, right? The key for them is the second contract. It's four years into their career is getting that second contract the first time they hit free agency. And I could see some guys, I could very well see some guys due to physical worries about the body and the head, which is not going away. And also the fact that some of them are entering the league with a couple hundred thousand dollars more than they would have 10, 15 years ago. Getting that second contract, playing that second contract out, whether it's two years or five years, and walking away a little bit prematurely, and I use that word in a sense of compared to the past, right? So there's always going to be guys that play until you can't take them off the field. I'm writing about what right now, and he was going to play until they drug him off the field. Not everybody thinks that way, and the reality is a lot of them have read and heard and spoken with players of the past who deeply regret that. They were able to make the money, but by the time they get to be 50 or 60 years old, that money is gone because it's going to healthcare costs because they feel like an 80-year-old or an 85-year-old. And so I think it's an important conversation to have for these players earlier in their career because they are afforded more opportunities early based on the college landscape changing. And I think it's a good thing, and I think it's good for players to sit down and have some deep conversations about that because it's really easy to see a year in the future when you're 21 22 23 years old it's hard to see 15 years in the future and 25 years in the future but the more people you talk to i I do think we might see a shift in some players um not playing until they drag them off the field yeah it's certainly going to be kind of an interesting one to to keep an eye on and yeah it's going to probably be a decade before we kind of get more of a a sense of of that um when when you look out on the i suppose the the landscape i think you're 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 probably somewhat of a a similar vintage to me right and um when i look back right essentially from kind of the the early 80s into the mid 90s the nfc just dominated and uh, they bully the AFC continually when it comes to the, the Super Bowl. My own Broncos being on the receiving end on numerous occasions, yeah. slapped around. But all of a sudden, we're we're suddenly in this landscape where, in at least in the regular season, the you know the 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 AFC is like the trials of ice and fire. Um, and and you look at the NFC, and and, and by contrast, it it is. You know, and um, um, and uh, let's say a, a slightly le- less less um rigorous uh route, and yet Aaron Rodgers chooses to to go to the the Jets. Are, is that just the innate competition with it in players that they're going to look at that and say, "I want to prove myself," t- like iron sharpens iron? I don't think Aaron Rodgers, who's let's just say among the four or five best quarterbacks in history. I mean, he's, he's right up there, maybe not in accolades, but um, in terms of talent and what he's done, um, I don't think he ever thinks about what's the easier road. I don't think these guys are wired like that. And I think if they were, they wouldn't be who they are. And it's, it is, it is ironic because, you know, my earliest memories of the NFL is basically the 49ers and the Cowboys trading off Super Bowls. 
Like it was just whoever won the NFC championship game between those two teams would hoist Lombardi a couple of weeks later. And then it became the Packers, you know, and, and things shifted at the turn of the century, but it's a quarterback driven league and it's so lopsided in terms of talent. And that's not a knock on the NFC, but if Jalen Hurts is the second, is the first quarterback in the NFC, who's the second Kirk cousins. I mean, I, I'm open to ideas here, but you look at the AFC and it's a murderer's row. It's a murderer's row. It, it's Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. And the king right now is Patrick Mahomes. And so it, it's tough to see the Colts road getting any easier. But I also wrote this in the spring. You got to have a guy. Like you're not going to make it unless you have a guy. And, and they haven't had a guy in six years, really. I mean, since Andrew retired in 19 and, and they've been looking for that guy and they've been trying to win as a team and they've been trying to win with guys left over from other teams. Philip Rivers did pretty well. Carson Wentz didn't. Matt Ryan was too old. And so if you don't have a guy, it's hard to see that path in the AFC unfolding because these guys aren't going anywhere. And I want to know what Joe Burrow is going to make with his next contract and Justin Herbert's going to make with his next contract because it's a blank check as far as, far as I'm concerned. But you know, it's cyclical how that works, but Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, I am eternally optimistic, excuse me, eternally interested in to see how that works because you're never just a quarterback away. I really don't think you're ever just a quarterback away. And maybe the Tampa Bay example disproves that from a couple of years ago, but that was a really good roster all the way through. And I like that roster minus Brady more than I like this Jets roster minus Rodgers. But like you said, quarterbacks have egos. And that's a good thing in the fourth quarter when no one believes you can do it. And it also can be a bad thing when you sign with a team that's not ready. We'll see what happens, but I can promise you this. I'm going to be watching because that's going to be fascinating. And their first game is against Josh Allen on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and I, I think in relation to the Bucs, I mean, they also brought in Gronk, possibly the greatest tight end in, in NFL. In NFL. Yeah, he's, he's my greatest tight end of all time. Uh, I, I, I just don't want to say that to Mike Ditka's face. Um, but you also play, like, play off Lenny, and they drafted Tristan Wirth, who, who you know, played like an all-pro as soon as he entered the That was NFL. a huge pickup. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, like there was so much that went into it. So I would I would agree in terms of um, never being QB away. And but that kind of leads on, I, I suppose, to the, the piece around team, because that was maybe the prevailing wisdom even two or three years ago. So you have... You know the um, the Broncos give this massive contract, and I don't, I don't, I can think of, like the trade piece. Everyone and and you hear now about the various other teams. It could have been the Eagles, and um, it could have been others. The trade piece, but the, the contract piece, and this was the contract piece to to Russell Wilson, and also the contract piece potentially uh, to Kyler Murray with with the cards, and and the fact you know that the league seems to be kind of, or at least the the chatter right around the league is that you pay a guy if you know he's the guy, but otherwise the kind of willingness to, to move on from him. And, and with the car, uh, with the cards in particular was interesting because they moved off of Rosen very quickly, Bernard Kyler, but then gave the, the contract. And now there are all sorts of questions, all sorts of questions around Ross as well regarding Sean Payton. Like, I suppose how, if, if Ross doesn't kind of, bounce back um and and if uh, like the the carrots given what they have like could be could we genuinely get to a situation 
Zach, for we for the, the league really are outside of obviously some, but the re- league really does go with the route of I only pay a guy if I really believe he's the guy and they're willing to move on from. Because this offseason, we had the Daniel Jones situation. And the, the Giants, they bought. They were the one they blinked first. Yeah. And I suppose, do we ever get to a situation where teams are willing to go, do you know what? Daniel Jones probably isn't going to take us to a Super Bowl, so we're willing to roll the dice on a rookie and take the contract and see what we can build instead. I think Jones is, an, is a very interesting Rorschach test for this debate, right? Because you've got the Cardinals with all kinds of questions. And I don't know how many head coaches were lining up to take that job. That contract is a big factor in that, right? That's a massive contract. And the Russell Wilson situation is fascinating as well because when did he sign that contract? Not after he was traded. It was four or five months later after he was there and after he probably realized that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't going to be the guy, right? So there was a little bit of chaos in Denver and they, and they gave him the farm in terms of that deal. And it does restrict what you're able to do in free agency. Now, that's not a problem if that quarterback is Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago in Green Bay and lifts everybody up and they win 13 games a year or Josh Allen, who are perpetually going to be contenders or Mahomes, who Mahomes' deal is going to continue to look like the best deal in NFL history for the next five years. I'm very convinced of that. But I think Jones is, is such a fascinating piece because they bring in this excellent new coach who lifts them up. Now, they didn't beat that many great teams last year. And they got beat in the first round of the playoffs. And and Jones built up his numbers in a lot of ways against some of the bad teams. I witnessed one of them in New York on New Year's Day against an awful Colts team that wasn't prepared and had no defense and then quit on their head coach. That's going to be fascinating because they, they paid Daniel Jones right before the deadline so they didn't have to pay Saquon Barkley. It's going to be fascinating. Is it is it Brian Dable? Is it Daniel Jones? And and what do teams do moving forward? And where does the line get? Because it's always been so fascinating to me how there's, let's say, seven or eight or nine alphas, just absolute no questions asked. You want to pay these guys. And then there's a little bit of a gap. And then there's a bunch of guys that are really good starters, but not the guys you want to pay $250 million to. And I think NFL GMs really wrestle with that because that's what gets you fired. You pay that guy. You can't build around him. You don't live up to the expectations that come with those contracts. And you're looking for a job in a couple of years. And I think that's fascinating. And the most interesting layer in all of it was Lamar Jackson was essentially a free agent this year. This spring, one of the best players in football, one of the top 10 players alive, could negotiate with anybody. And nobody made a run at him. Partly because of the contract, partly because some other issues, right? Durability, all that. I get it. I get the nuance. Colts were one of the teams, maybe the only team that didn't say no. But the reality is, if you're going to pay a guy a king's ransom, you need to know he's a guy. And with a couple of these, if they go sour, I think teams are going to be more hesitant to shell out that kind of money. What wins in today's NFL? The Chiefs don't win simply because of Mahomes. They got a Hall of Fame tight end. They spent some money on the offensive line. They had a defense that overachieved. But he's also one of one. He's one of one. And the way teams build their rosters in the coming years as these quarterback salaries balloon is going to be fascinating because they can't just keep, you just can't keep paying B quarterbacks A plus money. Yeah, it will will be very interesting to, to see. And, and maybe finally, be, before uh, I, I let you go, because you, you said, obviously, your Rogers, the Rodgers situation in New York is one you're going to be keeping an eye on. Shane Steichen and, and, and um, Anthony Richardson. 
But there are, you know, lots of other intriguing teams around the league for, for different reasons. Obviously, Frank Reich in, in, in Carolina, um, D'Amico uh, starting off down in um, with the, the Texans. For, for you, kind of, as, as you look at the, the landscape, are, what are the other, or is there another team uh, that, or, or a player that you that's come into the league? Or, you know, because Gino almost gave us a new kind of storyline last year. Like, the, you know, the, 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 the real redemption arc after kind of years on, on the sideline. Uh, so I, I'm wondering in terms of players, teams, is there something that you're really interested to see if it works or doesn't work? Um, in the the 2023 season. Yeah, I think, you know, one team that's under the radar because they're not the sexiest team nationally, it's a small market, but they're on the come is is Jacksonville and and the quarterback and the way they flipped it in one year from the chaotic Urban Meyer era to a playoff win and a team that's probably the team to beat in that division for a long time, depending on how these quarterbacks in Houston and Tennessee and Indianapolis unfold. But, But Trevor Lawrence, just what he did in, what he was able to do and answer the questions after a year under Urban Meyer is just fascinating to me. Arizona is really fascinating. I know we just hit on this, but the contract, the injury, the new coach—that's fascinating. Um, and, and and the Buffalo Bills, to me, I feel like this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I feel like Josh Allen took a little bit of a step back last year. It doesn't help that they don't have a running game, but. The fact that Dable was in New York might have been an underreported storyline, what they lost when he wasn't there. And then I think DeMar Hamlin's situation took a lot out of them, understandably, at the end of the season. But I worry about the window for the Buffalo Bills because they have a good roster, but defensive coaches don't win the Super Bowl anymore. They just don't. None of them have done it since Bill Belichick, and, and he's an outlier because he had Brady for 20 years in 2019. And, and that's not as... Recently, as we think, and I just wonder if the Bills' window is is starting to close with the ascent of all these young quarterbacks. I just mentioned one in Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to win one one of these days. He's too good. He's just too good. Where does that leave the Bills? And, and I want a Super Bowl for those fans because they're they're such a unique bunch, and I've covered so many games up there. It's such a fun, unique place, and. They deserve it, and I almost feel like their best team might have been last year, and the tragedy that hit them late in the season took so much out of them. But um, it's such a fascinating league. So much changes every year, and the fun part is finding the stories that that follow. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the Bills as well, I think they started last year with their hair on fire. They were so keen yeah. to get over that 13 seconds because that had been yeah. – for months, months and months, and they started so well. Like that first game, the, they the Rams, out, right? Absolutely blew them out of the water. They were incredible. But you're, as the season went on, all of the weather stuff, where they had to play games in different locations, and obviously when with with Maryland, and great to see him uh, back on the, the the training field this week. So, look, you are absolutely spot on. Nothing stays the same in this league. That's what makes it so uh, compelling, and and we're looking forward to the stories you are going to write. Um, for people watching and listening, Zach, where, again, many people on the South Atlantic will be very, very familiar with your work. But for those who aren't, where can they, they find you? Yeah, just easy to find on Twitter, uh, at ZKiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R. Um, not writing as frequently as as I would have when I covered the Colts. That was multiple times a week. But 
the good news is when I do write, it's it's a long, in-depth, immersive story that hopefully peels back the curtain and, and tells the story in a way that you've never heard or read before. So it's going to be fascinating, and, and I've got a long list, and I'm digging into it, and, and I'll be all over the country this fall looking for those stories. Well, yeah, definitely look forward to it. And the longer form pieces that you've written in the past are outstanding. Uh, so I think this is uh, a, a great fit. And uh, once again, just thank you for taking time to chat to me on the Irish NFL thank Show. Thank you for listening to the Thanks, Irish NFL time. Show. We truly appreciate all of our listeners. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever platform you use to listen. It really makes a difference in terms of helping others to find the show. Also, if you want, reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, or email info at irishnflshow.com. Let us know your thoughts. If you have ideas for guests or a topic you would like us to cover.